So uh, tonight, I want to spend some time talking about the same Jesus. Our anchor passage tonight is Hebrews 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight, Lord. And I just ask that, that you be with me as I uh, present your word, as, as you've laid it on my heart, Lord. Just let your words be heard and not mine. And uh, Lord, we just thank you most of all for sending your son to die for us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I came across a video a few weeks ago, and uh, I was really kind of, it's what prompted me uh, to talk about what I wanted to talk about tonight. It's a little silly and exaggerated, uh, but it really got me to thinking about a few things. I'm going to share it with you real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of hop in from there. So. I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah. wonder what ever happened to baby Jesus. He, he grew up. What? Wait. So you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, honey. Wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he... he went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he... he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and came back to life, and, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? <sighs> okay, I was really, oh, wow. Okay, I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this. Here's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once a year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top. That's the idea. I grew up learning Bible stories, and I could tell you the details of the stories at a very young age. And as I learned these individual stories, I would identify the defining characteristics of whomever those stories were about. In the case of Jesus, I learned his characteristics uh, through whatever particular story uh, I was reading at the time. I'll have to admit that there were times when I was younger and, and even sometimes now that I, I still can kind of cling to those personas of Jesus and not always make that strong connection between all of them, sometimes we see the characters of Jesus and miss the character of Christ. So tonight I want to explore a few of these characters of Christ in an effort to better understand the character of our Savior. 
So last Wednesday night, uh, the leaders and I sat down with, uh, with the teenagers and we read through the birth of Christ. Uh, the, the Old Testament prophecy, the account in the Gospels, even uh, references in the epistles to why Christ came. And you know, there's, there's something just refreshing about sitting down and talking about Jesus. Simply speaking his name, soaking up the truth revealed about him in his words. So tonight, I just want to talk about Jesus. Can we do that? that? Sound good to you guys? So I'll start with prehistoric Jesus. So I know we kind of think of like cavemen and dinosaurs. That's not it at all. So uh, let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him. Without Him, nothing was created that was created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Fast forward a little bit to verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Christmas story according to John. The word became flesh. There. That's it. John is not your go-to source for inspiration if you're wanting to write a Christmas carol. John's approach was a little different. He didn't set out to write an orderly account of Christ's life like Luke did. His primary goal was to make the character of Christ known. He wanted people to know who Jesus really was, not what they saw, not just what they saw and what they heard while he had his time on earth. This is perhaps why he started his account of the gospel with a profound statement, Jesus has always been. Jesus didn't begin in the womb of Mary. That was simply the door God used to step into humanity, a door that he stepped through with purpose. The Jesus who existed outside of the confines of time was about to robe himself in mortality for us. This brings us to baby Jesus. We're pretty familiar with baby Jesus. Many of us may have a baby Jesus in our front lawn. That's kind of one of the things to do this, this time of the year. But uh, we celebrate the triumphant entry of the King. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, sent to the earth as a Savior, the Savior of all. And most stories that include kings and their triumphant entry include crowns, jewels, castles, swords, that kind of thing. That's kind of what comes to our mind. But he didn't come like everyone expected. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus happened this way. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, had in mind to divorce her privately. But while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to, make Mary, to take Mary as your wife, for he who is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this occurred to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, saying, A virgin shall be with child and will bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being awakened from sleep, 
did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and remained with his wife and did not know her until she had given birth to her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. This is our story, a story about a baby that was born of a virgin. His triumphant entry met with hay in a feeding trough. He didn't come in power and swinging a sword that would end the Roman oppression of his people. He came as a humble servant out of the most unexpected place, Nazareth, the place where nothing good comes from. He had a teenage mother and a lowly carpenter as a stepdad. He came into the world exactly as planned. He wasn't here to end the oppression of an overbearing government. He came to end oppression from a much bigger and more serious threat, sin, death, and eternal separation from our maker. He came to set us free. The same Jesus that always existed came to earth as a humble child to save sinners like me. We fast forward a little bit and we find calm the storm, Jesus. This one is one of my favorites. It's in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. It says, That same day when the evening came, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. When they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was. There... There were also other little boats with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. They woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared greatly and said to one another, What kind of man is he that even the wind and the sea obey him? So I want to go back and pay particular attention to some of the details in this account. I think sometimes we kind of look over them. Jesus had just finished speaking to a large crowd. He had already been doing miracles. Uh, They had seen him heal the sick and uh, heal the lame. He was teaching them through parables. He reserved that deeper meaning for his uh, close followers, his his called disciples. When they were alone, he explained that meaning to them. He had been telling them uh, what what was going on in those parables. Jesus asked them to cross the other side in the boat at the end of the day. And it is apparent that Jesus is pretty exhausted. So shortly after they get into the boat... Uh, he goes into the stern of the boat and goes to sleep with a pillow. So uh, what that implies to me is that he had some intention of really getting some rest, maybe for a while. A storm comes, a big storm comes. And, you know, many of these disciples we we knew were fishermen. Uh, The owner of the boat must have been on board. So they had probably experienced storms before, but this particular storm was very different. They thought they were going to die. They were scrambling for their lives, and someone notices, hey, where's where's Jesus? What? He's sleeping? How could he be sleeping at a time like this? I'm going to go wake him up. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll go with you. I'll, I'll go with you. Well, let's go wake him up. So they rush to the stern of the boat to wake Jesus. Now, this is all not in Scripture. This is how it's playing out in my mind, right? So they rush to the stern to uh, to wake up Jesus. 
Jesus is getting some great sleep. Okay, this boat is just rocking back and forth to the rhythm of his creation. Uh, he's got his pillow. Uh, he's just recharging after a hard day. Uh, I don't know if Jesus snored or not, uh, but maybe he's, one, he's having one of those naps that uh, nobody else is sleeping well, but he's really, really sleeping well. All right. They did not expect what would happen next. Now, I can't say that they weren't believers at this point, but I can say that they did not understand, obviously, the power and the majesty of the man they were following. I don't know what they were expecting by waking him up. I don't know if they expected a, you know, encouraging statement, just to stick it out, we'll make it through the storm. Or maybe they expected this miraculous moving of the boat to the shore. Um, they had already seen him heal. They had already seen him heal the sick, heal the lame. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe that's what they were expecting. They proceed with their plan. They wake Jesus and begin to yell, Do you not care that I'm dying? Have we ever had a moment like that? Where we look up at God and say, Do you not care that I'm dying here? This man that they were following, this Messiah, is sleeping while they're dying out here. So what does Jesus do? He simply stands up and reminds them who's in charge with three words, peace be still, the storm stops. It doesn't just let up. It comes completely to a halt, to a calm. And then he says, why are you so afraid? Why do you have so little faith? Maybe he goes back to bed at that point. Can you imagine the draws dropping on that boat? Now, that's one thing to heal the sick and make the lame to walk. That's awesome, but almost just par for the course for the Messiah that they've been seeing working up to this point, the one that they've grown to trust and love. But guys, he just spoke three words and the creation obeyed him. They said, I'm scared. What kind of man does the wind and the waves obey? You know, if they would have just went back and asked the psalmist, he could have answered them. Psalm 107, 25 through 29 says, For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the sea waves. The sailors went up to the sky. They came down to the depths. Their strength melted because of the great danger. They reeled to and fro and staggered like drunken men and were completely confused. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He made the storm calm, and the sea waves were still. They were glad because the waters were quiet, so he brought them to their desired harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the people. The same Jesus that existed before time, the same Jesus that came as a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, is the same Jesus who spoke creation into existence and has the, the power to speak it into submission. Fast forward a little more, and we have death conquering Jesus. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 11, and the next couple of verses from there. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But the man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now this one might seem obvious to you. But did you know Jesus died? That's right. Just like you and I are going to die someday, if Jesus doesn't come back before then, he died. His body laid lifeless, a shell, a corpse with no soul inhabiting it. He didn't go into a coma and suddenly wake up three days later, Jesus died. Now why does this obvious detail really even matter? We must understand that because of the fall, because of Adam's disobedience, because of the inherent rebellion of mankind, a debt was outstanding and must be paid. The debt was death. To mend what had been broken between God and mankind, blood had to be shed up to the point, including death. So let's go back to baby Jesus. This is why he had to be fully God and fully human. Mankind owed the debt, not God. God doesn't owe us anything. But the unfortunate situation was mankind couldn't afford that debt. In spite of all their efforts, we could never quite save up enough money, enough capital, enough worth to clear our name. In steps Jesus with the only sufficient payment himself. But the story, of course, didn't end there. He didn't just die and pay the price for sin as only he could. Our God doesn't do things halfway or even meet the minimum requirements. Our God goes above and beyond. He didn't just die. He came back three days later. Mark 16, 6 says, He said to them, Do not be frightened. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He conquered death. He saw this broken, deprived creation, a state that we put ourselves into. He stepped in, righted the wrong as only he could. He replaced death with life, replaced condemnation with justification through the blood of Jesus Christ, his one and only Son. In Romans 5, we see, for if by one man's trespass death reigned through him, speaking of Adam, then how much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? Therefore, just as through the trespass of one man came condemnation for all men, so through the righteous act of one came justification of life for all men. 
The same Jesus that exists through eternity, that robed himself in flesh for our sakes, that commanded the winds and the waves, gave his life for us. He came back on the third day, conquering death for us. That's not the only coming back, though, that he's going to be doing. This leads me to the last Jesus I want to talk about, and that's coming again in glory, Jesus. Anybody want to talk about him? John 14, 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's an amazing thing when you accept Christ as your Savior and He comes to live within you. Jesus lives in my house. This camper shell of a body will just have to do for now. But you know what? I love what He says here. I am going to prepare a place for you. For me. I'm going to live in Jesus' house. No more rundown fixer-upper shack for me. In Matthew 24, 30, it says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's coming back in glory, and we are going to live forever in the Father's kingdom. 2 Peter 3 says, But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This new home will be right here, but believe me, you will not recognize it. This isn't a fixer-upper or a renovation. This home that we are currently in will be consumed by fire and a new one will take its place. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Look, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither shall there be any more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain for the former things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. Then he said to me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. All things new. That sounds pretty amazing, right? The same Jesus that has been here all along came to earth as a baby in a manger calmed the seas at the sound of his voice and claimed victory over death is coming back in glory to live with us forever. The same Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now there are many other personas of Jesus given to us through his word. I just selected a few tonight that particularly spoke to me, but there is one more Jesus that I can't leave tonight without talking about. 
mentioned earlier in the book of John, the gospel according to John, he took a different approach to writing his account of the gospel. He didn't write a biography of Jesus. Uh, Rather, he had a particular motive in his writing that he didn't try to hide. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He is prehistoric Jesus. He's baby Jesus. He's calm the storm Jesus. He's death conquering Jesus. And he is coming again in glory Jesus. But is he your Jesus. You may be screaming God right now, just like the disciples did. Do you care that I'm dying? I'll tell you the answer is yes. He cares so much that you're dying that he sent his son to take your place. My question to you is, is he on your boat You're never going to make it through this storm if he's not. Let me tell you how to invite him on board. Once he is, he may not choose to calm the storm, but you will have that peace in the midst of that storm, that peace that passes all understanding, that peace that you can't explain, that can only come from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love talking about Jesus, but you know what I love more? Calling him my Jesus. I hope you can call him yours tonight. Let's pray.